everyone. Welcome to the Cultivate Podcast through the Grove Church. I'm Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor there, and so glad that you're joining us. And you've now caught us in our fourth and final episode as we've been just kind of exploring Hinduism. And I have Mark and Nate, Nate the Great, and Marky Mark. He wants to be the fun bunch. We, I don't, am I the fun bunch? Funky bunch. Funky bunch. Yeah. Funky. I, I don't know that yeah, I can I, be the funky bunch. Yes. Funky, I might not be fun. a fun bunch, but I'm not a funky bunch. I want to be part right. of the funky bunch. You're funky. You're, I'm from Fayetteville. <laughs> I'm from Fayetteville. That automatically makes you funky. We keep it. That's how we do. That's we keep how we it, do it. We keep it. That's funky. how we do what we do. Anyways, we've been talking about Hinduism. You guys have just like a, a a very special heart and draw towards Hindu people, and have both spent time in India. And it's just been a privilege for me, and I'm sure for everybody who's been listening to hear your guys' heart about your experience with people and then just kind of helping, I think really just kind of break down a lot of stereotypes and weird just kind of misconceptions that we have and helping us get a good picture, not only for a belief system, but for a really intertwined, beautiful culture. And you guys kind of said this at the end of the last episode. And I, and I, and I get this from both of you that you guys would consider Hindu culture for lack of a better word, beautiful and Mm, wonderful that you're, you're, you're emotionally drawn to it. And so I, that is really, I really appreciate that. And so what I want to do, what I want to spend however much time we have left to just kind of spend some time talking about just practical things, because most of us are not going to spend any time long-term in India. Some people may, and I know some people from our church already have spent one week or two weeks since in India for business, or maybe you're doing business with people who are from India who live here currently. So it's not completely unheard of, especially people who live more in the Bentonville side of Northwest Arkansas to have some relationships with people with a Hindu background. And so I want to kind of talk about what's the best way to interact, but you kind of, Mark, you kind of hinted at this a little bit. So we'll just kind of start here. I think there is a perception, at least in certain pockets of Christianity, that Hindus and Hinduism is something really to kind of be afraid of and avoid because of, again, this is not what I'm saying. It's really important to me. It's important to me because I want to be, I really want to be sensitive. But the perception that some people have would be it's idol worship. And so there's going to be a lot of demons. It's going to be very demonic. And so I don't want to get too close to it because I don't want any. They jump off on me. I don't want any demons to get up on me, <laughs> right? And so, again, as with a lot of my questions, I don't know that I have a greatly phrased question, but let's just say that you're talking to somebody who would obviously phrase it better than that, that is a little timid or afraid of kind of fully engaging with a Hindu because of their perception of idol worship and demonic activity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, one thing, let's, let's be honest, anytime that we begin to have good friendships with non-believers who are pursuing other things. You know, it's, there's just, just because it has a, it's a statue in the corner and has given a name and has a background in Hindu mythology. It doesn't, doesn't mean that it's, you know, any different than any conversation we would have with anybody everywhere. So we, we, look at that because it's strange and we make it so much greater and the things that have a grip on American culture, we say, oh, well, that's not, that's not that big of a deal. But in reality, I've just seen 
the the enemy in this place has uh, even a, a better strategy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just uh, numbs us to spiritual things. Okay. So just because a people is awakened to spiritual things doesn't mean that that's necessarily a bad thing. In fact, it's one of the beautiful things I see that you know, being awakened to the spiritual and the reality of the spiritual is actually a step towards Jesus, mm-hmm. um, not a step away. Because when you're numb, you miss it <laughs> and you're not awakened to it. So a secular person who is very materialistic, you've got to help them you got to help them see. And it's dangerous because you might get sucked into that, right? Where you don't realize the, the things that are eternal. You, you miss it. And now it matters to you what you own and what you have and what you can touch and you can feel and you don't see the spiritual anymore. Mm. That's, I would be more afraid of that than the idol in the corner. Yeah, well, and to Charlie's question too of fear, why don't you briefly talk about your experience going into temples and how that yeah. kind of evolved? Yeah. I mean, I, early on, um, I was told by, you know, people who were older than me that I should be really fearful in temples. Uh, I would Social see those expectation statues. Of feeling very heavy. Yeah. And, and it's the darkness of those places because they, they are kind of scary. And even some there's, you know, blood on the floor and there's, I mean, it, it can, it can be a scary place, you know, some incense and strange smells and all kinds of things, uh, food that's anyway. But then one day I realized that this Jesus that's in me is more powerful. Mm. And the ones that should be afraid and that the Bible tells stories about are afraid is them, not me. So because the one that's in me is more powerful than the one that's If there are demons in there, they should be scared. They should be afraid. They should be the ones that are shaking at the knees. Right. Because I believe that Jesus lives in me. And so um, I'm not the one that should be afraid. And I, I just... I think that's the biblical perspective to have when, when talking about these kinds of things. The one in us is, is powerful. Yeah, the only thing I'd add is just that it's a, I think it's the right question. I, we, it's amazing the time that we live in. And, uh, you know, you might go to a missions conference or a class that teaches about missions and what God's doing in the world and walk through church history. And it is, I mean... On one hand, it uh, can be very deeply offensive because to, to say a Hindu because it's very triumphalistic and we are, we are taking the world by storm and we're going to share Jesus with everybody. On the other hand, it is kind of amazing what God has done. Like we, when we haven't been, like you said at the beginning, it's, it's hard to go to India. Not all of us are going to go to India. Uh, right. That's just a hard place for us in the West to go assimilate to. And because of that, it's amazing that God has brought so many Hindus to our doorstep, so to speak. And yeah, you mentioned Bentonville. There's, there's a lot of Hindus in Bentonville. And like my Indian friend that now knows Jesus would, is, would be deeply appreciative to know that while there aren't maybe a plethora of people who know and love and can talk about Jesus in India, God is taking his people to a place where Jesus is known and loved and can be explained. So at least at least one of my Hindu friends, if not several, would mm. also think that that was really special. So it is, it's a great question. I, I want people to know and feel comfortable interacting with the Hindus in our backyard. Yeah, and to have that conversation, you have to be willing to, what we were talking about earlier, the extraction of, of the idol worship and those things from the culture. And so if, if a fear for this keeps you from it, then you never get to the beauty of understanding someone's heart and their culture and the things that aren't evil or bad or, you know, okay. um, so you have to be willing to walk down that road. 
So if a Christian's typical, when you think about interacting with somebody who's not a believer, whether they believe something different or they just don't really believe anything at all, right? I think very often we ter- think in terms of two categories. One would be, I need to have some sort of particular gospel presentation to show them, whether it be a pamphlet of some kind, an illustration of some kind, a series of verses. So I need to give them a gospel presentation or I need to just try to get them to come with me to a Christian event of some kind, a small group, a church meeting of some kind, right? So I'm either trying to get them to come to church or I'm trying to, I'm trying to create an opportunity for me to share a gospel presentation with them. So I've got a Hindu neighbor, I've got a Hindu coworker, I've got some sort of connection or at least a potential for a connection with a Hindu person. Would you recommend one of those two strategies or would you suggest a third strategy? Mm. <laughs> you want to go? A million dollar question. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I, it's, uh, I know it's kind of a leading question. I, I would offer a third alternative and I'll answer this kind of tongue in cheek and let the listener decide whether or not it applies to anyone in their own culture and not just Hindus, right. but uh, <laughs> ding, 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 ding. because of what we've talked about in all the previous episodes and because of the nature of India and the incredible diversity of it and the fact that there is not a doctrine and that it's a culture more than it's a religion and all those things. Right. The practical application of that for me is I ask questions. I, mm. I ask questions before I do anything else because there's so much for me to learn about who this person is, what they believe, what they don't believe, what they practice, what they don't practice, why they practice it, if they practice it because they believe something. I mean, there are so many things. And so it'd be so ignorant of me to think, like you said at the beginning, that I'm an expert in Hinduism. I think the more people study Hinduism, the more they realize that nobody's an expert in Hinduism. And so to walk into a relationship with a Hindu thinking that I know anything of that person and what they think, uh, is kind of asinine. So if I mean, so this is different. <laughs> I said asinine. That's fine. I don't All think that's, I don't, I don't think that's technically a bad word. Yeah. I don't think it technically is. I don't is. think it is either. No, when you add the additional part. Sounds sophisticated. It does. Actually. He's used a lot of All fancy part words. Of the facade. Right. Um, <laughs> so different than my conversation with Scott, on Mormonism, you meet a Mormon, especially a Mormon missionary, you have a, you, you, you can, if you've done all the right studying, you have a really good idea before saying one word to them, mm-hmm. what they believe, what their tactics are going to be, what the challenges are, the way to the, the, the soft points, if you will, of sure. kind of entry points into helping them see the gospel. When I'm hearing you say, is whatever that is, this is the opposite of that. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. Completely. Because there might be yeah. some overlap. There might be a Venn diagram of sorts, but to to know in advance without asking a million questions where that might overlap, where those soft spots are, is impossible. It's not, mm-hmm. it's just not possible. So they, yeah. oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say also, I mean, Hindus are so experiential that and this True. is the challenge of the third the third option for lack of a better term they they will quickly recognize whether you're smoking what you're selling they they see the experiential side of that yeah okay so let's just pause here for a second 
Which is more controversial? The use of the word asinine <laughs> or the phrase smoking what you're selling? We'll let you answer that. I don't know. Okay. So they, but, but, but they, they, have, they have a real sensitivity towards sincerity or fakeness. Right. Absolutely. Are you experiencing Jesus? The things that you're saying about him, are you experiencing them? Do I sense when I'm with you that there's life and hope and peace? The things that you're saying are powerful and possible. Are you experiencing them? And do I experience that when I'm with you? Well, Much and, more than, than your American friend. Absolutely. And this might go back to a previous podcast, but it totally overlaps with the practical side of walking with our friends. But it's the fact that at a macro level, if for us in the West, knowledge typically comes before experience. I mean, I understood the gospel on an intellectual level, I think, before I truly received Jesus and let him into my heart and understood right. what that felt like. Indians are typically the opposite. So experience or anubhav or whatever they might call it typically comes before they see Jesus do something, mm -hmm. show himself off before they want to know any more about intellectually who he is or what he's doing or what he's about. Mm -hmm. Because there's 300 something million gods. So right. why would I waste my time knowing who's what and Great. why they are? Yeah. And one. If they mm -hmm. do something for me, if they are part of an experience with me, if they do something in my heart, if they show themselves to me in my college exam or my grandma's illness Dreams. or dream, or then, then it matters to me. Then I want to know. Okay. So not to over categorize you guys, because this, if there's been a theme over the last few episodes, you guys do not like to be pinned down. You do not like to be categorized. <laughs> What I'm hearing is... That no, makes me feel like we've represented... We, yeah, we have done okay. well, well done. Well done, guys. So number one, I'm hearing be a, be a learner, ask a lot of questions, mm -hmm. to live authentically near them. Show them that you have, you, ha you have reason to speak on spiritual things. Mm -hmm. Okay? So we can ultimately add to more things to that list if you'd like. But first, I would like to kind of you said this a whole bunch of times and you're not the first person I've heard use this. When you describe people that you know with Hindu, you just constantly are using the word friend. Mm -hmm. These are my Hindu friends. These are my Hindu friends. These are my friends. You just, you use that word. What's, what's behind that? Nothing. They're, they're my friends. No strings attached. Yeah. So I, you, <laughs> like, you, you're just like, hey, these are just my friends. These are my friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, so is, is there anything that you feel like, I guess, I guess what I'm asking then is, is there something in your discipline and using that word that really kind of helps you with your mentality as far as how to approach and love Hindus well? I, I'm not sure. I mean, at first, maybe that was a more disciplined, strategic wouldn't be the right word, but a more disciplined thing. Mm -hmm. But over time, I mean, I, spent five years with a lot of the same people and they're just friends. They're some of my best friends. A lot of them know me better than even some of my friends I grew up with in Springfield, Missouri, mm -hmm. in my hometown, if we could take that out. I, I think yeah. I love the idea that you don't even really know how to answer that <laughs> question. I think I love that because I think it shows the depth of sincerity that you have of not thinking about them differently than you would think of anyone else. I'm not thinking of this as, well, th these, these, you, you don't use qualifier. Well, these are my non-Christian friends. I'm trying to spend time with my non-Christian friends. I'm, they're not, 
they don't fall into some different category. Well, because they're Hindu, I need to have a more, to use a word that you didn't want to use, I need to have a strategic relationship with them with an agenda. No, mm-hmm. I don't have an agenda. I don't have a strategy. I have friends and these friends happen to be Hindu. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and and I know Mark's probably got a million stories, just like probably all of us who have either lived in India or experienced deep relationship with Hindus is that especially moving over there, um, especially as a young college graduate, some of my friends played pivotal, deep, meaningful roles in helping me understand and assimilate and just survive Mm. in a culture that is opposite of mine. That was most of the time incredibly frustrating And my only respite is people who understand it and welcome me into it and acknowledge also maybe along with me that these things are hard and frustrating Mm -hmm. and feed me a meal and let me take a nap in their bed. (laughs) And let you talk like an an infant in Hindi and trying to learn a language. Yeah. yeah. The patience, the kindness, the, yeah. Absolutely. So if I'm going to add a third one now to asking good questions and sincerity, I would say kind of just in thinking in terms of I'm not the teacher and they're the learner. Mm-hmm. I'm not the converted and they're the ones that need to be converted. Mm-hmm. I'm the believer. They're the unbeliever. We are simply friends. And because I am an intentional follower of Jesus Christ, I want to draw them to Jesus. Yeah. That it's right. more, it really is more of an outflow of, real relationship as opposed to a relationship that is essentially built around the idea of conversion. Absolutely. And if you need a term other than friend, we like to use the term alongsider. And I still like to think of myself that way with any of my friends, no matter what country they're from. Because it sounds like, we're, a, like your Western last name. I'm Nate Longshot. Nate Longshot. That's right. Don't mess with me. I'm the law here. That's right. The idea is that we're not coaching, we're not mentoring, we're not discipling, even that, you know, some of those words even carry a sort of prideful connotation. Even if we maybe are doing those things, um, the idea is that we're walking alongside people who need someone to walk alongside them to know Jesus. And I, at the same time, am also getting to know Jesus deeper alongside my friends. So I should be always being changed and being made more like Jesus just as much as whoever's walking alongside me towards him, with him. Yeah, and I just want to clarify that by that, we don't mean, hey, I've got this friendship and they don't know that I follow Jesus until five years down the road. Right. Because because that might be controversial or something. Right. It means that early and often, because I love him, I'm talking about him. Right. <laughs> and something will happen that reminds me of a story from the Gospels or a story from my life where Jesus showed up big. I'm worried about something and I'm praying and I invite my friend into that prayer. And they this happened to me where some friends, I was nervous and scared. And I prayed a humble prayer to Jesus to calm my anxiousness and, uh, and help with my fear and watching my devotion and my, my hope was just a powerful statement to them. It's not like I was hiding it. Um, but when it's life on life and it's Nate alongside her, um, it, uh, <laughs> you know, life, life happens. 
And Jesus shows up in all sorts of ways. And so I'm ready to speak to that at any moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not trying to hide it. Because a true friendship can't be that way. Right. It just can't be. That's not a true friendship if I'm waiting five years to say, oh yeah, by the way, I also have this deep devotion to Jesus, right. but I haven't told, told you about it for five years. So I want to, I want to ask you guys if this is front of your mind or back of your mind, because what I'm hearing both from some of the things that we said in some earlier episodes and kind of the ways that you're talking about talking now, I've been talking about Hinduism. It seems like that there is a, what we'll call a decolonization strategy or just mindset better than better, better than strategy mindset of just like that. There is a sensitivity that a Hindu will have about associating Christianity with colonizing, with assimilating into Western culture, and that you guys just want to be sensitive to that. And this is not about this is not about cultures, and this is not about you and I have a hierarchical relationship. That I really want to decolonize it. So, is that a front of the mind thought that you guys have? Is it back of mind? Did it used to be front of mind, but now it's so natural it is back of mind? Or is it just kind of the more you've learned, it's kind of become that. And I'm sitting here saying this and you're like, well, I never really even thought about that before, bro. That's really cool. But I guess that is what's happening. How, how, how would you respond to that? I think just over and over again with friends, realizing and finding that that's the obstacle. Mm. That, that the issue is not that anybody has any, any problem with Jesus's teaching um, even with one that would follow him, like Nate said earlier, but that baggage is the biggest obstacle that he is tied to things that he himself did not tie, tie himself to, but that the culture tied him to, and that, uh, you know, the, the backstory, the history did that. And so it feels like you have to lead with that. You have to be careful about how you word things because it's such a huge obstacle. Mm-hmm. It's the thing that it's really difficult to bring, to bring that down. It's just so that that a true hearing and understanding of Jesus's teaching can be there, mm-hmm. you know, that it can mm-hmm. even be given a chance. You, you have to be real conscious of that because it's such a huge thing. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's very front of mind and maybe, maybe like you said, back of mind now that it's been front of mind so long, but it's, it is, it's front of mind because it has to be, because I also know, and we can study history to see like our natural inclination is to change people, to make people more like us, no matter what culture. So Knowing that and seeing the history in India, knowing how sensitive that is, uh, it has to be front of mind. And, you know, I, I think that goes along with if you're making a list, you know, the first thing that we identified is a willingness to learn and asking questions. I think on primarily we were talking about a willingness to learn about the person, the individual, what they think, what their family believes, which that's a whole maybe another topic that we didn't hit on as much, but that they don't really have individual beliefs as much as community beliefs. So, okay. They're not necessarily going to have an individual opinion, but to willingness to learn that, um, but the willingness to learn the practicalities of their family's worship and what their devotion to their gods or what their devotion to Jesus could look like, what their festivals look like. Because like we said from the first one, it's different for different people, uh, different for different neighbors down the road, different for different villages. And so to figure out, um, you know, like we mentioned <laughs> the Jerusalem council acts 15 and the fact that there is so much freedom that there is, Hey, you don't have to be Jewish, but you've got maybe the Ethiopian eunuch. Well, what does this look like for me in Ethiopia? That there's not, 
there's not a text in scripture that clearly defines what it means to follow Jesus in Ethiopia practically. So same thing goes in all of these situations. I mean, the willingness, you know, if, again, if you're making a list, the willingness to experience some of those things as weird as some of them might be. I mean, I, at least hopefully it's encouraging. And I think Mark might say something similar that I, over five years in India, actually prefer even to this day to worship sitting on the ground with my friends, with a weird drum and weird incense and singing terribly all together and sharing a meal together after and discussing the scriptures. That to me is so much more refreshing and worshipful typically than any of our Western church iterations. And so I would just encourage people to, in all of these practicalities and being willing to learn that there is a lot of beauty and a lot of really cool, special things to be found in how Indians typically worship. Yeah. And it's also worth just pointing out that Jesus was from the East. Easy now. (laughs) (laughs) And so also the way that it opens up the scriptures, because I just started finding in my time in India, that there were all these things that I had misinterpreted because I didn't understand it from an Eastern context and that right. he was much more like my Indian friends. His upbringing, his family, his, what a wedding was like, was much more like my Eastern friends than my Western friends in my experience. And so um, I just, in my own journey, it started to put the pieces together mm. in a way that I don't think would ever happen if I hadn't opened myself up to Eastern culture and some of these beautiful things. Well, that's the fourth step aside from anything else is get yourself at an Indian wedding. That's, <laughs> come on now. <laughs> Got to. That's, that, that's, that, that just, that's like immersion. Yeah, exactly. Oh, for sure. You'll, you'll learn quick. Everybody can dance there. Oh, yeah. Oh, I like that. You'll get well yeah, just, I'm 100% you, in on you that. You screw in the light bulb and pet the dog and then <laughs> and then switch hands. That's it. That's it. That's, that's, that's it. it. That's it. Over and over and over again. And do the little hokey pokey with your feet. Put your feet in. Put your feet out. Put your feet in. You are good. Wow. I, mean, I, I knew we were going to get some practical advice, but I didn't realize we were going to get down to this practical. So what I'm hearing, you think this is kind of an overarching principle. It's like, I think too often that Christians have approached Hindus and trying to get them to change their culture. I'm hearing you guys, we want to, we want to, we want to admire the culture and, and redeem some certain aspects of it and to, and to show them actually in these things that you're doing, you are, you are a lot closer to Jesus than you realize. If you'll just squint your eyes and kind of look at it this way, as opposed to, wow, uh, this, this is weird. We you, chanting is bad. Mm-hmm. Sitting on the floor is bad. Incense is bad. Right. You said incense. Yeah. It might freak some people out. Yeah. But it's just, <laughs> just a smelly stick, right? Yeah. I mean, My grandma burned incense. Right. And what's that for in essential oil? Yeah, right. exactly. Well, it's, you know, we, we could take it to extremes. It's like none of us would probably say that anybody has to go into a church building and wear and sit in pews and wear shoes and, you know, like, but most of us would prefer to sit on the couch while we read the Bible with a friend instead mm-hmm. of the ground. And so Mm -hmm. it might be implied that that is how you must do it. Mm. So you do, you do have to be very careful because we communicate black and white lines unintentionally sometimes too. Yeah. And if everybody showed up at church on Sunday and took their shoes off when they entered, you know, if we expected that, everybody would think that was really weird and stinky, but the, the reverence and behind that is significant, you know? 
And I just real quick, there's a story. I had a, a Hindu friend named Gita who came to faith, but wanted to remain in her culture. And she just told me that it's been frustrating through the years because she would connect with different Christian communities. And she said, Mark, after some time, the people would start to approach me and ultimately the pastor would approach me and say that I, I, I was not a true believer until I also ate meat. And so they would try to sneak I meat. Can't, can't they would try that. to sneak meat into my meals. I, they I, would, I mean, it may, it's one of the, the saddest stories that I've ever heard, the frustration she had had mm-hmm. and the difficulty finding community with other believers over that one topic, which we all know. Mm-hmm. Has it's no... like one of the things that Paul <laughs> yeah. specifically addresses. Right. <laughs> right. It's right. not tangential. It's not analogous. <laughs> right. It's, it's specifically it's pretty, it's mentioned. It's pretty clear. Yeah. It's pretty clear. So, so there you go. I mean, that's if and if you don't know, then you may. If you don't know that that's a thing, then you may cause more harm than good. Right. So, well, I mean, I I could we could record five more podcast just well we can recommend books (laughs) yeah oh oh yes dr nate (laughs) i've got two books that i always recommend one is a little bit more maybe scholarly high level and it's self-explanatory it's christian barriers to jesus okay so christian you know cultural barriers um the other one is disciple making amongst hindus okay tim schultz and it's more practical it's more, it, it addresses some of the higher level stuff at the beginning, but then it gets very practical. And a lot of it is story oriented, uh, stories and practical examples, case studies, if you will, of his decades with walking alongside Hindus and some of their barriers and things That's practically. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And I would throw out uh, living water, Indian bowl, which yeah. is talking living much. water, Indian bowl. Yeah. I'm talking much Those about is- that culture. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The living water in an Indian bowl. How do we take the the life and the story of Jesus and offer it in a way that Indians can understand and then in a form that they can understand? And then E. Stanley Jones is like my favorite ever. And he spent a lot of time in India and has a book called Christ of the Indian Road, which is incredible. So, Did Thomas really go to India? I, yeah. So? A, a, a lot of maybe, a, I mean, millions of people have been convinced of it for a long time. So, I, and there's, something, there's the something South, to that the area that he yeah. went to, and there are yeah. a lot of believers down there that there trace their their spiritual lineage back to that. Just, I'm always I just, I'm dro- I just drop that on y'all out of nowhere. I, I always have a huge asterisk on historical story, yeah. you know, just because I think because we separate, we try to separate that so much, you know, church tradition from the explicit scriptures for sure. And so because of that, I feel like there's maybe too big of an asterisk on it sometimes. But yeah, I, I, Mike, the, the more time I spent there, I was the like, overwhelming well, evidence the seems overwhelming to be that the church tradition is Why would they make that up? It was not, named Thomas. I don't know if there's another area of the world that feels very strongly about right. him being there. So I don't know. Why not? Mm. Well, thanks again, guys. Appreciate you both so much and your heart and your wisdom. And I know that people who've been listening have been enjoying it too. So thank you so much. And thank you to all of you who have been listening and have been with us not only in this episode, but in all four. And I just appreciate you guys and would love to connect with you if you're not a part of the church, whether it's your local and like to attend sometime or you want to follow us online, our streaming services, all the information about how you can get connected at The Grove is at thegrovechurch.org slash connect. 
any way that we can help you, pray for you, serve you, you can let us know right there. So again, Mark, Nate, thanks for joining us. Thanks to all of you. Have a great day.